the the nail I'm trying to hit home or the what's the phrase? The nail? Uh, no, it's not the nail. What's the, the phrase? point you're trying yeah. to hit home? The 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 point I'm trying to drive home, right? Is there you go. <laughs> there we go. Most of us spend a quarter of our lives in the place we call school, and the more time we spend there, the more we complain. It's no secret that the schooling system in America has flaws. So, join us once a month as we take a look at the ins and outs of American schooling to find the bad and the good. Let's get started then. I'm Amar. I'm Matthew. And this is Our Side of the Coin, Season 2. Hey, welcome back to another episode this week on Our Side of the Coin. This week, we're going to be talking about politics in the classroom. Matt, take it away. So with this series is about talking about education and so education is a big umbrella term uh, for a lot of different things uh, but I believe that politics is an is is a part of should be a part of the education experience and I think that schools have a responsibility to like educate to some extent political thinking and discussion yeah so. I'm going to, I agree with you there. And I think the only caveat really on that point, because so the way when we're talking about politics in the classroom, politics doesn't necessarily, you know, only mean, oh, I support XYZ president or XYZ policy. Politics is like almost, you know, it's just a series of like the dynamics of how we think society should run. Right. And naturally schools and education are going to be a large part in our upbringing and informing our thinking of how society should run, you know, the people we're surrounded with when we grow up, the systems that we're placed under, the power relations that we experience, right? All of these play a factor into, you know, the politics or quote unquote politics that we, you know, start to believe in as we grow up. So when when we say politics, you know, and schools have a responsibility to, to promote this kind of thinking, we don't necessarily mean that, you know, schools ha- should promote a party, schools should promote a policy or any of these sorts of things. What we're talking about really is schools should be able to promote critical thinking skills, essentially. And more than critical thinking skills, you know, the ability to take beliefs, take empirical fact, take data, combine these all together to form educated beliefs and conclusions that we can continuously update, regardless of, you know, former biases or heuristics that might be at play. I I uh, totally agree. I think critical thinking is a is a great word for the point. It, yeah, the, as you said, the point isn't necessarily like. So I, in fact, I I think we uh, we can both agree that schools should, if at all, avoid uh, leaning specifically like le- left or right or whatever. The discussion shouldn't be about like the discussion here isn't about specifics. It's that. I think people should be educated how to think critically because, I mean, this might be a this might be a little controversial, but I think like recent events, uh, past like year or two years, I, I've seen like a, a sort of lack of of critical thinking, uh, a little <laughs> bit in this country. So I, and and so when you when you're thinking about politics. Uh, and like, where do people's political beliefs come from? Like, if you if people have them, some people decide not to have them. But if you do, where where do they come from? I see like three big players. Uh, first is parents. I think we could agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, second is the media. Yeah. What do people like hear uh, and see? And then I think the third is your peers. 
And I think that that's where, like, the schools fit in with that. Um, because the schools is, is where, like, a, like, students in school, that's where they meet people. And I think schools should be a place where you can talk and discuss with your peers and develop those sort of political beliefs. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, schools, you have this open ground. And that's the wonderful thing about, especially larger schools, more diverse schools, is you get this array of perspectives, right? And being able to incorporate these different perspectives into your daily life, understanding the problem is not a linear problem. There are always multiple factors playing into any problem that you talk about ever, right? Nothing is one plus one equals two in this world. So, but the problem that I see occurring from this situation by allowing, and this is just more maybe a topic of uh, censorship more than anything, right? Is sometimes if you have a situation where you may go to a school in a certain area or the people that go to a certain school are from a certain background, right? And maybe we'll touch on those specific mm-hmm. leaders as well. But mm-hmm. you get this idea of this almost herd-like mentality, right? Where because mm-hmm. the, the people in this area are majority, whichever way they want to lean, all of a sudden now you've created an echo chamber where those who may have an opposing opinion are drowned out essentially, right? And mm-hmm. so what I'm going to ask you there is, how do you think schools should prevent this domination, this like herd-like mentality from occurring? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that schools should like actively uh, try to create create an environment where where you can have like open discussion. And I think that like in that situation you're describing where there there is a majority like conclusion in the student base, I think maybe the school might even like it, it, I think the school should be aware of what the situation is in their student body. I mean, obviously, I think this becomes more relevant um, the older your student body is. I think this is more of a sort of a thing for high schools than yeah, definitely elementary high schools school. and universities um, mainly. But yeah, universities also. I think that the the school should be aware of their student body, and if if there is like a if there is a, if there is too much of a if there's an overwhelming political ideology that's dominating the conversation, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that schools should maybe, maybe in a way, try to play like devil's advocate and at least like suggest the i like make it's okay. It's okay for people to um, decide that decide like to come to conclusions on their own. I think the school should make sure that those conclusions are like being made by the student bodies explicitly as opposed to just being told that that is what is good or just not only hearing that sort of thing. So I think, I think. I I, I like where we're going with that. The, and I mean, I could, I don't want to poke holes in the argument, right? The only thing that I'm really seeing when we say like, you know, schools should play devil advocate. This is true. Schools should definitely consider all the perspectives, especially when you're teaching classes which may be sensitive to politics, history, English, the arts, right? Like the classes that might be most impacted by, you know, th- that political ideology is influencing. And especially if teachers, and obviously teachers are humans, right? Teachers are not like some robots mm-hmm. that can maintain a almost definite neutrality all the time, right? But even teachers mm-hmm. sh- should not let their personal beliefs bleed into what they are teaching their students so much so, right? Like, you mm-hmm. should not, as a teacher, be forcing personal beliefs onto your students, making it, like, you know, part of a curriculum, making it part of a, uh, 
or like you know testing specific political ideologies and making it so mm. important that students are forced to you know swing one way or another and I, I like the idea of devil's advocate especially trying to maintain a neutrality i know it's a little bit difficult for teachers and admins sometimes especially when personal beliefs are at play to maintain a true neutrality and this gets into you know uh, other psychological phenomena like implicit biases and we'll, we'll touch on that later but um true neutrality is ideal for most school situations i know it's not exactly always attainable but for in an idealistic world we do want to see a sort of multiple perspective take on several key issues so when as uh the thing you mentioned about there being like a sort of like herd mentality sort of thing or there being like a clear dominant ideology i don't think that is necessarily a bad thing if if like if students can come if the students come to their own conclusions that this is what they believe in i that is totally fine i think that's the way it should be i think the school has a responsibility to make sure that is the case by teaching students how to come to those conclusions and also making sure that those students are challenged in those views because what can happen in that scenario is somebody goes to that school and all all they hear is one sort of thing and then so that is what they believe in i think the school has a have responsibility to i think the school can and has a responsibility to try to avoid that yeah and i i think a good way schools can do that is essentially just by introducing these sort of new ideas into classes like history like literature like the arts mm -hmm. right simply mm -hmm. you know you don't you don't have to teach a political ideology you don't have to teach opposing views all you have to do is basically bring both sides of, or all the sides of the story into whatever you're mm. teaching, right? You don't want to, mm. you know, just show, oh, X, Y, Z was bad, X, Y, Z was good. They often say, you know, victors write history, mm. but ideally mm. in a history class, we don't want, we don't care what the victor thought. We want to know what happened, mm. right? So I think the mm, same exactly. sort of logic applies to when we're talking about politics in the classroom, right? Because we don't mm. want to see, oh, okay, who wins, who loses, right? We want to see, okay... Why, why is what is happening happening? Why should we believe in XYZ? What are the pros of XYZ? What are the cons of XYZ? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so I mean, and another thing that we could talk about if we're stemming from this is like school censorship. So when we're talking about school censorship, how far do you think schools should be able to censor their student body? I mean, because there's obviously a point where, you know, free speech becomes hate speech. Or vice versa, where free speech just becomes propaganda in a way. Well, not even propaganda. Ignore propaganda. Just how do we know when to cut? When schools should be able to cut off free free speech from hate speech? Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the bane of the idea of an open forum. Is that if you're if if you have the I think personally, I think the goal is you should have a space where you can say anything. But of course, there are some things that shouldn't be said so what does a school do in that situation yeah i think i think that's a great start to this problem right and you know we had these sort of ethical societal standards and i'm not going to bring any examples into this we're trying to leave politics out of our political discussion ironically enough but um <laughs> when i'm talking like there is a point where you know certain words can be it's it's not even about offensive it's when certain words can hurt groups of people or cause damage we've seen the power of some you know some words some movements and how much damage or how much benefit they could have words are nothing but a tool that can be like utilized by student bodies and and but schools do have a responsibility to teach their students of 
you know, we, not even what should be said and what shouldn't be said. It should be more so we shouldn't be out here trying to hurt people. We shouldn't be out here trying to cause damage to some, uh, to others at our, at no expense to us. Right. We don't want to hurt other people. That's, that's basically it. Right. I think schools yeah. do have a responsibility to censor these sorts of ideas. Now, where they censor these sort of ideas could be a whole nother topic on its own. So I think we'll ignore the nuances and the specifics of that. But I think they do still have that responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, it's dangerous because like at, at the same time, I, I would definitely agree with that point of like the impact. I think if a, if a school is, can, if a school can clearly see that like this idea is directly like, hurtful i think the school has a right to intervene i think the, that's a better obvious, than censor, yeah <laughs> the obvious the obvious concern is this what like when when does the school have that right like because because people like that's the whole nature of this debate is that it, it can be debated for almost the, impossible for the right. sake of time we won't get into super specifics <laughs> of that we'll just touch a broad the broad general idea of intervention and censorship in schools um let's move yeah. on to the next topic so when we talk about educated beliefs and thinking critically and this is maybe where we get more into the specifics of how we do that right how do we teach people to separate beliefs from those educated conclusions how do we teach people to eliminate their preliminary biases when we're going about teaching neutral perspectives? No, I, th- I think it's a good question. And in fact, I kind of, I don't, I don't see anything inherently wrong with having a belief. Um, I, I think educated conclusions are the goal, but I think beliefs can be educated. I think it's all right to like have like a, a preconceived notion, I guess a sort of like intuition, but like after the fact of that, I think, I think first of all, uh, students should be aware of that. I think I think uh, schools should try to like make people question their own own beliefs instead of taking them for granted. And then mm-hmm. I think after that, I th- I feel like um, schools should be able to give students the tools to be able to justify them. Yeah, uh, I basically agree with that as well. Um, I also think when we're talking about thinking critically, again, the the nail I'm trying to hit home or the what's the phrase. The nail, uh, no, it's not the nail. What's the phrase? Where, the where, point you're trying to hit the, home? The, the point I'm trying to drive home, right, is there essentially... You <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the ball drive. Okay. The point I'm trying to drive Golf. home, right, and I'm going to say this over and over again, is we want to see multiple perspectives, right? We want to challenge beliefs. I, I 100% agree with you that beliefs are not inherently bad. In, in fact, a lot of our education, our, a lot of our knowledge is based on our own personal belief systems. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing in this world is exactly solid. Everything is continuously being updated. Now, that that being said, right, the ability to update is a critical component for a lot mm-hmm. of students. That, and a lot of schools often neglect to teach this idea. A lot of schools are often focused on, okay, if my students are able to perform well on XYZ exams or are able to, you know, d- just do... The, what they're required to do, essentially obedience training, they'll never be able to update their own belief systems, right? And I think this is where a lot of schools fall short, and, and especially in the American system. I know a lot of other systems in the world, especially more international systems, are great at challenging this sort of idea that, okay, you're just here at school 
to learn these XYZ things and nothing else, right? I think certain, but I think the American system falls very short on teaching its students to update critically on new evidence. Yeah, I would actually, I think I really like that point. Like rather than, I think the schools, I think school should be, I think education should be all about giving people tools to be successful and good people in life. And I think a lot of, I, I've, a downfall of the American school system is rather than giving tools for that, they're instead just presenting you with information that's relevant in the short term. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's a point, right? And uh, you sometimes you just can't fault the schools themselves, the school system. The school system has been doing this for a yeah. while, right? It's almost become a routine. It's not easy to change a system like that in a year or two years. And we know we're continuously trying to update, but maybe... Uh, it's, it's just not fast enough. And, you know, schools sometimes as well, there's this idea in psychology. It's called implicit biases, right? Schools will believe there is no bias in the way there is, they are teaching. There is no bias in the way that their student body thinks, right? And essentially what implicit bias state is, is that bias that we don't have any biases, right? The bias that we think we are completely being neutral and completely being rational the entire time that we are doing whatever we're doing, talking, learning, teaching, speaking to others, right? Implicit biases play a large part, I would argue, into why the school system is not neutral or as neutral as it should be today. Mm. Well, um, on that topic of neutrality, I, th- I think we, we briefly wanted to uh, discuss some specific scenarios where you can, where uh, the school may not be completely biased. Uh, so the first one we wanted to touch on was uh, the idea of a, of a religious school, uh, because clearly there you can um, you can see that there would be a dominant ideology. So um, did you have any thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, religious schools are going to be, I think, a little different because more so, the belief system is already predetermined in a lot of religious schools, right? Politics are often influenced by the religion of said schools. Um, but in a way, I think when when you have a situation such as a religious school, so right, oftentimes what you end up getting is essentially... Let me give you an example, right? So I have younger siblings that went to an uh, Islamic school and... Largely, it would be focused on, they would have two or three classes on Islam, right? Islamic studies, etc. And then you would have, you know, your separate courses, math, science, history. And history was still, and many of these things were still based on the American school system curriculum. History was based on American history. Math is math, right? Or at least it was until Eureka math, but that's a topic for another time. <laughs> and, um, you know, science is, for the most part, science minus some, you know, minor discretions with evolutionary theory or other religiously argue, argued theories, right? I would still say you still have that sort of ex- diverse knowledge mindset in a religious school, non-politically. I think you can talk more mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, well, uh, before before I do, I want to make the disclaimer that I, I do not have, uh, I don't really have any experience with a religious school at all. But um, just thinking about the idea of a religious school, I think that you can run the danger of, of losing that sort of variety of experiences because of the 
obvious like fact that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that doesn't necessarily have to be the case, but I think you can see how that oftentimes can happen. So I think that when you're running a re- religious school, you should you should be aware that that while uh, you do have an, a common idea between uh, your student body, that that doesn't mean that you, uh, there isn't any benefit to thinking critically about it. Uh, and and so uh, just as a wrap up, I don't I don't have any problem with the existence of religious schools. I think that they're fine if if parents decide that it's the right choice for their child, and hopefully. Um, as if as a child ages they would agree but um i think that it's important to make sure that students in this kind of environment aren't sheltered from opposing ideas and not necessarily and definitely like not opposing ideas with the intent of changing people's minds but i think it's a, i think it's important when you come to a conclusion to still have it be challenged right and i mean I, I just want to elaborate on that point. I mean, a lot of times you, I, and I'm not talking about when we talk about this, I don't think you're talking about, you know, having them see other religious, like, you know, t- trying no, to like no, not send in priests no. into an Islamic school or sending no, in no, 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 imams no. to a Christian no, school, right? I think you're more so talking about like in an Islamic high school, maybe they should still teach evolutionary theory just so the students are aware of what evolutionary theory might be, even if Islam does or does not support it, right? Or same thing in a Christian school. They should still know what these sort of other or these other theories or scientific theories from an academic standpoint are, mm-hmm. essentially. In the areas in the areas where there are debates uh, that like come from the religious religious system, I think that the debate should still be talked about. And I think it's a I think that this environment is a great place to talk about it because they'll have more knowledge in that area. But I think. I think the debate shouldn't be avoided. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. You want to bring up, you don't want to leave out information that could be relevant to a discussion at all. Um, mm-hmm. Let's wrap this up. We're going to talk about talk a little bit about international schools. I'm going to let Matt start with that. Yeah, so we went to an international school called Washington International High School. And so briefly, disclaimer, uh, we only went to Bahia, like as our knowledge of international schools. So I don't know how how relevant Waihai is as an, is as an example. Uh, but I, I think Waihai is an interesting, uh, example for this, I, uh, topic because you can kind of, you can kind of like see, uh, dominating ideology, but it's, it's not nearly as explicit as the religious school example we talked about. So like just in general, I, I think just like my interpretation of like the goals of an international school, you can see how maybe it would align more with progressive ideas. And so I th- I believe you can clearly see that in Waihai if you attend it and, and look at it. Uh, Waihai, from my experience, was definitely a left-leaning environment. And when I say that, I don't mean the student body was left-leaning majority. I What I mean by that is that what you heard was mostly left-leaning. And so... One of the one of the goals that the school had was pr- promoting political thinking. However, I think that controversial, but I, I think that it had it definitely has room for improvement because you just it was hard to 
argue about uh about things that yeah it was it was just hard the environment left a little less room for discussion than i would have liked yeah and i don't even want to like just talk about washington international right i i see a lot of people from different international schools seeing a similar almost a complaint sometimes right where you go into these international schools you will end up with a very diverse perspective naturally right it's an international school you're going to get different people from different ethnicities probably sometimes even from different parts of the world that are attending such schools right often these schools often earn this title of international as well because they're in the ib program or they're renowned for something whether that be on a national level or international level so when you get such perspective it's very it naturally becomes an idea for the administration and it's not their fault right in a sense that it's almost like we talk about with implicit biases they think they're being perfectly neutral right in in their eyes they believe and i'm not talking about just why high here although why high is an example of this right a lot of international schools Mm. will have administration that is more so focused on focused on one side of the political spectrum whichever side that may be right you often create Mm. this okay we want our international students to see that this is a quote-unquote true way or good Mm. set a moral standard by it and you know Mm. naturally this would get into a conversation of what is right what is wrong which is why i'm saying both Mm. it's not really one side or another right it's the idea that Mm. you often get like you said locked into the situation where if you have an opposing view and you are to state an opposing view there would be more consequences not not necessarily Mm. physical consequences not necessarily tangible consequences necessarily right uh, but you there are often ideas that are lost Implicit in this sort of environment i think that saying that you uh you are promoting open discussion is is different from promoting open discussion is as always like it's easier said than done obviously but i i think in, in this environment I, I think like this yeah the school had I think that their their heart was in the right right place but they did like they had this agenda and I think sometimes it's 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 necessary to realize that you still need you like to have an open discussion there has to be an opposing viewpoint yeah exactly I think that's a great way to put it. And like we said, we were when we're talking about politics in the classroom, we're talking completely politically neutrally, right? We're simply talking about the idea that open platforms do require the discussion from multiple perspectives. It can't just be an echo chamber of sorts. That's it. Yeah, that's all we I mean, mean when we, we talk were, about we, open discussion. We were talking earlier about about like dangerous ideas, um, but I I think. It's important that, like, to have this open discussion, there have to be ideas that you aren't okay with. And I I think a lot of schools in America, regardless of political ideologies, struggle with this idea that, exactly, I I love the way that you put it right there, right? They, they, They just can't create the open platform that they want to create because they are unaware of the social consequences or intangible consequences that may result therefrom. Mm hmm. Okay, and and uh, I think the word "there from" is a great way to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys for watching or listening. Be sure to check us out every month. We'll be uploading on every month. Let us know what you think in the comments below. See, let us know how we can improve. Sayonara. Mm-hmm.